Welcome to our series, Resurrecting Relationships. Resurrecting Relationships. Since Easter, we've recognized that when Jesus rose from the dead, we saw his first words to his disciples were shalom, peace, well-being, wholeness, healing, health in relationships. Jesus had brought through the resurrection of the dead, of his resurrection from the dead, he had brought wholeness, and health and beauty to relationships. And we've seen it's a double shalom. It's a shalom with God, healing, forgiveness, restoration, and it's shalom with one another. There's a, a vertical dimension and a horizontal dimension in our relationships, and those two are always go together. They cannot be separated. And so we've been seeing how, um, how Jesus in his resurrection has resurrected our relationships. And you know what? That's been particularly meaningful coming out of this COVID junk because uh, social distancing is totally against what God uh, has designed for relationships. He's designed us to be together. He's designed us for deep and connected relationships in life, not to be separated, not to be alienated, not to be isolated, but to be uh, deeply connected in, in relationships. And so we've been resurrecting that in our lives, and I uh, trust and hope that, that uh, this will be an encouragement in all of our lives, in your life, as we uh, regather, if you will, in so many of our different relationships with seeing family, with being able to travel, with being able to gather in person more and more as we move out of the junk. You know, this last week I was um, just reflecting on my own life and some of the things that God has used to really grow my relationship with him. And um, I thought um, I was uh, fortunate that it happened for me fairly early in my, in my 20s. And I was brought up in a home that uh, went to church, that my parents were Christians. And, and uh, so I, I had that background. But it was in my 20s when the word of God became kind of alive to me personally. When I actually started not just listening to sermons in the weekend, but I actually started reading the Bible in the middle of the week. And I can remember getting a Bible and writing notes on the side and, and just having this, this deeper interest in the Bible and how it fed my soul. And I, I just grew in the sense of God, who God is and his presence in my life. The, the word of God came. That was huge for me. Another thing that propelled me to another level of, of God's presence and, and blessing in my life was when I started to serve. And again, as a young adult, uh, I, I stumbled upon the fact that God had given me spiritual gifts. And when I started serving others with them, um, it's like growth happened and blessing happened and lives were changed and my life was changed. And that was years before um, God called me on to graduate school and, and pastoring. Um, but that was a huge growth thing learning to serve. Uh, there were a couple of key times where uh, when I took a step of obedience of faith, where I knew God was calling me to do something and I had a choice to obey him or not. And when I stepped into that step of obedience, it was like things just opened up and, and I grew in my sense of, of uh, my relationship with God, who he was, how he was present in my life. Uh, all of these were very powerful things. But you know, as I thought about it, there was one thing that I think I had underrated <laughs> I wonder if you might underrate it. As I thought about my life, I realized that through every season of my life, and I'm blessed to be entering the grandpa season, but through every season of my life, right back to my high school and even college years, that God has used powerfully in my life spiritual friends, kindred spirits, friends who had a faith in Jesus that in many cases, I look back and I say, wow, what a gift from God at that season in my life that he gave me that friend because it helped me in so many powerful ways. 
Now let me just ask you, and, and uh, as you think about your life, how many of you identify with uh, someone um, that was just a friend that came along at a key time in your life that God used in a powerful way as a spiritual friend? Just go ahead and, and raise your hand if you identify with, all right, well, uh, all of us can, or many of us can. Um, I hope this morning... Uh, that you will be um, just touched by God to realize how important it is to have spiritual friends, but also to be a spiritual friend. What does a spiritual friend look like? Because um, I see from the scriptures and I, I uh, resonate from my own life that God uses spiritual friendship in powerful ways for his blessing, for his goodness, his, his uh, grace and wonder in our lives through spiritual friends. This morning, uh, and by the way, I, I, as I thought about it, I'd just be uh, vulnerable to be transparent with you. I'm in the market for some more spiritual friends. Now, I'm not recruiting you necessarily, but uh, in, you know, pre-COVID, um, there were a group of five of us used to get together, five men, every week at Starbucks before work, and um, we'd study the scriptures, pray together, and, and there was a level of spiritual friendship there. It was a huge blessing. Three of those guys moved to the mainland, <laughs> and I lost three friends, and, and, and when I say I lost them, they'll, they'll be forever friends, but I don't get to see them every week. The fourth one, the one that's still on the island, I haven't seen for over two years since COVID um, for health reasons. And so it just made me realize, Rick, this is an area you need to, you need to resurrect in your life a little bit um, in terms of just um, relationships that, that bring that spiritual kindred and kinship into your life. And uh, maybe you're in that season or not. But I believe, and we'll see from the scriptures this morning, that God has this powerful role of spiritual friends in our life. We're going to look at the life of David and Jonathan. And if you know, uh, even if you have maybe a cursory understanding or, or background in the Bible, you realize that David uh, was Israel's greatest king. And uh, Jonathan was his best friend forever. And David and Jonathan stand out as these great examples of spiritual friendship. So I want to look at their lives because they will show us what spiritual friendship looks like, what it is. But even more important than that, I want us to see this morning, they will show us how to be a spiritual friend. And uh, there's some things in there for uh, you and me to learn together about how to be a spiritual friend and experience these deep, connected relationships that God has designed us to walk through life. He has not designed us to walk through life isolated or uh, lonely, or independent, or apart from others. He's designed us to walk through life with deep, connected relationships and, and his blessing through those. So um, God has designed us for a spiritual friendship. We uh, see this summarized in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 42. And by the way, just uh, let me encourage you to get the church app and you can get the notes right on your own uh, device. But it'll come up on the screen. Jonathan said to David, go in, and there's the word, shalom. Go in peace, go in well-being, go in beautiful relationship between us. That's what he's talking about. For we have, caught, we, catch this, we have sworn friendship. We have a committed friendship. We're going to see they actually made a covenant with each other. But catch, here's the key part. In the name of the Lord. A spiritual friendship, I can just summarize this. It, it is sourced in a relationship with God. And it seeks the purposes of God. That's what a spiritual friend is. It's, it's, it's sourced in the relationship with God. It brings together the vertical and the horizontal. And that's what Jesus does. Brings us into relationship with God, brings into relationship with each other. And a spiritual friendship has that dynamic of a vertical with God and horizontal with each other. And, and so it's more than just being golf buddies. 
And it's more than, um, you know, going surfing together. And it's more than being Facebook friends uh, or Instagram um, followers. It's, it's bringing God into your relationship and sharing that. Uh, the second part of it is that it actually seeks the purposes of God. Now, this is an amazing thing because uh, let me remind you that, that uh, God had anointed and appointed David to be the next king of Israel. Saul was the king of Israel at the time, and Saul, because of his disobedience... Um, disqualified himself to be the next king. Jonathan was Saul's son. So humanly speaking, Jonathan should have been the next to the throne and the king of Israel. But God's purpose was not for Jonathan to become king. He had chosen David. Now, talk about uh, uh, a friendship uh, that, that was, um, you know, surprising, if you will. The actual son of the heir to the throne being uh, best friends forever with David, the next king. Um, that was not a, a normal relationship. Why did this relationship come? Because both of them were seeking the purposes of God. David didn't ask to be king. God set his heart upon him and said, David, because of your heart of faith, you're going to be the next king. And he raised David up. And uh, David honored the Lord by, by not uh, striking out against Saul, uh, even though Saul was trying to kill him. But Jonathan recognized God's purposes and he aligned himself with David. He sought God's purposes for the kingship against his own privilege and his own power. This is amazing. This was not a, a uh, well, it's just an amazing friendship. Both men sought the purposes of God. Both men had their friendship rooted in their relationship with God. And uh, that's a, a great summary of what a spiritual friendship is. Sourced in the relationship with God, seeking God's purposes. I want us to look at a, a short video. We've been uh, enjoying hearing how certain members of our church family have experienced these um, spiritual relationships, these spiritual friendships. And uh, Bo has um, a great story about how uh, his mom sought God's purposes in, in their relationship with her brother, and then how that ended up being a uh, spiritual friendship for Bo and his uncle. Take a look at, at uh, Bo's testimony. Good morning and aloha, New Hope, Kailua. My name is Bo Rawlings. I'm a graphic designer. And me and my wife, Krista, have been coming to New Hope for a few years now. Today I get to share a little testimony about how God has transformed a relationship in my personal life. So to do that, I need to take you way back to the time of when dinosaurs roamed the earth. That's right, it's the 90s. Back then, it was just me, my mother, and my grandmother. I had no father figure in my life, and it was really hard. Um, we didn't have a lot when I was growing up, so whenever we had a need, my mom would write it out pray over it, and one by one, God was so faithful and good to answer every one of those needs. In fact, one of my earliest childhood memories is every night before I went to bed, my mother would come in and we would both pray for my uncle. We prayed that God would transform his heart and that he would come to know him personally. My mom was so diligent in that prayer. In fact, she hardly ever missed a day where she didn't pray for him. And after seven years, and in the early 2000s, my uncle made a radical transformation and came to know the Lord. This was amazing. 
it was like the first time I got to really meet my uncle and he became a lot more involved in our family events and in our personal lives, which was great. He became this awesome man of God that became a strong male father figure in my life that I desperately needed at the time. He would often invite me over to his farm and we would go hunting and fishing and those times were just immensely valuable. And I'm so grateful to have that transformation in my life. But it all started with a simple prayer of my mother praying for her brother, my uncle, that he would come to know the Lord. So here's my encouragement for you today. Is there somebody on your mind or on your heart or somebody that you're praying for that you haven't seen that transformation yet? I just want to encourage you today, keep praying for that person. Keep pressing in. Keep believing that God will transform their heart and that he, they would come to know God. Because God is so good and faithful to answer prayers. I've seen that in my personal life, and I believe it's true for you too. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great morning. Example of seeking God's purposes and um, and uh, that those relationships being sourced, uh, even family relationships that God uses in powerful ways. Well, what do we learn from David if they show us uh, what what spiritual friendship is? What do we learn about how to be a spiritual friend? I want us to uh, share four see four things this morning, four ways in which you can be a spiritual friend, I can be a spiritual friend, and experience these blessings in our lives from the life of David and Jonathan. Here's the first one. Set the example for your friend. Set the example for your friend. We see this in David and Jonathan's life in uh, 1 Samuel 18. Kind of a, uh, a different, or well, kind of a, a, a strange experience, but let's see what's going on. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit, a kindred spirit, and he loved David as himself deep bond. Jonathan made a covenant, made a committed, uh, committed relationship with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan, and what's going on here? He takes off his outer clothes. He took the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic. And all of Israel saw whether he was wearing boxers or BVDs. I'm just kidding. But what's going on? Why would he take his outer clothes off and give them to not only that he gives them his military equipment along with his tunic and even his sword his bow and his belt okay this was a culture of expression of saying i am dedicating myself to you the clothes spoke of the person and he was making a pledge of loyalty of his person as i give you my clothes which represent me i am giving you the dedication of my person and then his equipment was the dedication of his service. He was dedicating himself totally to his friend because it spoke of, of yes, his military equipment, his military, you're going to be my commander-in-chief. I'm at your disposal. I will serve you with my uh, military equipment. He's giving a pledge of uh, his loyalty. He's giving a pledge of his service. He is dedicating himself totally to his friend David. Why would he do that? Well, um, if you read the previous chapter, David had set this incredible example for all of Israel, including Jonathan. And Jonathan is responding to David's courageous faith. You know the story, one of the best in, known in the Bible. David defeats Goliath. That's in the previous chapter, and Jonathan is responding to that. David had just set an example of this uh, a big Philistine giant beast coming out, blaspheming God, talking trash to Israel. 
and uh, leaving all of the Israelites cowering in their, in their bootstraps. But what did David do? With a heart of faith in God and offended that, that uh, Goliath was blaspheming his God, he went out there and he fought Goliath. And you know, know the story. Uh, he didn't even, couldn't even fit into Saul's armor. Uh, so he just went out there with a, a sling and stones. And like a little shepherd boy, but he took down Goliath, hit him in the head with a rock, knocked him down, took out that blasphemous pagan uh, warrior and showed a courageous faith in Jesus for all of Israel. And Jonathan is saying, this guy is worthy of me devoting my, my relationship with him. And because David had set an example of courage, David had set an example of faith, and that's what spiritual friends do. They set the example for one another. I bet if you think of your life, there are times where you, maybe at a particularly strategic time in life, needed someone to show you that courage, that faith of what it meant to follow Jesus. And uh, hopefully they became a spiritual friend. For me... Um, I showed you last week, I was, uh, in, during my college years, uh, I showed you a picture last week, being on a college football team, 17 years old, raised in a nice, protected Christian family, but now in a situation uh, um, of being on a football team with these older men traveling to different cities, and, and by the way, um, every one of those men in the picture uh, were, were womanizers, were party monsters, that's what happened. When we'd go on the road, they'd go out drinking and partying and bringing women back to the hotel. That's the way they lived. And so here's this uh, guy from a Christian family. Um, and yes, there were pressures. And I had to make decisions. Am I going to live the way that my parents have raised me? Or am I going to live the way that my friends are living? Uh, which uh, was not the Christian path. And in that time, and, and uh, you know as parents, this is a particular time where a lot of young people stray off the path. Um, God gave me two key friends. One's name was Doug Curry. Doug um, was a year or two older than me, but he, was, he wasn't an athlete, but he was a phys, phys ed student. So I'd see him around the phys ed faculty when I was playing on that football team. The other was a girl uh, who became a very dear friend. We never dated. She was just a great friend. Her name was Jackie Shaw. Jackie was actually an outstanding basketball player. She was the female athlete of the year. At, uh, and yet both of them were dedicated followers of Jesus. And God gave me two friends who said, Rick, you're not the only one living among the Philistines, the party monsters and the womanizers and all this stuff. But here's a friend that will help you stand strong and have some courage in your faith for Jesus. And God gave me two great friends at a time when I was particularly vulnerable. Um, I think also of... Um, Another example of um, um, uh, friendships throughout life, and I, I could give many. I hope God will uh, encourage you with spiritual friendships at key times in your life. Later, when Martha and I were uh, married and living in Dallas, um, going to graduate school, uh, we saw this young couple, became very dear friends, and we met them in a small group. And by the way, that's a great place to make friends in a small group in a church because you'll find kindred spirits. And Chuck and Becky had five kids, and we were just newly married, but we thought, wow, look at this young couple and how they're managing raising their kids and uh, living with, you know, working out all their priorities with all these uh, stresses on their family. They became great friends and models. They became examples of us. Uh, of, of faith and of living out that faith. That's what spiritual friends do. They set the example. So the question is, who are the spiritual examples that you look to in your life? 
Hopefully there are friends um, that you can look to for that spiritual example. And, and let me flip the other side of it too. Who are you an example for as others look at your life? Do they see someone who is living out that faith genuinely and in a way that supports and encourages others? That's what spiritual friends do. They set the example for each other. There's a second thing that we see from David and Jonathan, and that's this. Um, I'm going to just quote what the text says. Spiritual friends help your friend find strength in God. They're like a, a little arrow that points, points their friend to God. And again, not every friendship necessarily does that, but that's what spiritual friends do. And it's actually quite, quite a beautiful thing that we don't have to fix our friends. We don't have to be the solution to our friends. But what we can do is simply point them to the life giver, the one who is, has all wisdom and has all grace and has all strength. The text says in 1 Samuel 23, Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh, this is when David is out in the wilderness. He's out in the desert running for his life because Saul is trying to kill him. But Jonathan, Saul's son, goes out and he finds David and he helped him find strength in God. Such a beautiful expression. David's in a time of great distress in his life. The most powerful person in the country, the king himself, who has an army, has a military, has everything behind him, is chasing him down to murder him. And David is literally running for his life. And yet his friend comes out and finds him. And he says, David, you need to turn to God. Find your strength in God. I can't protect you. Jonathan can't. Uh, um, none, no friend can take care of all of those needs. But what you can do, and what Jonathan did, is helped him find his strength in God. Because that's what spiritual friends do. Mentioned one of my friends who uh, was part of the, um, the men's group before COVID moved to the mainland. He actually phoned me on Thursday. And this is the beautiful thing with uh, modern technology, phone, uh, all of these different things. And he just phoned up and, and we re-engaged that friendship because he, he wanted to share what a major decision that he and his family were going through. And um, I listened to him, gave him my best advice. But most important, I said, you know, um, I don't have the answer for you, but I know God does. Let's pray together. And uh, that's what spiritual friends do. They seek one another out, and they point each other to God because he has the solution. He will lead, he will guide, he will provide. And we don't have to be in the, the business of trying to, to uh, fix things for our friends. But what we can do is uh, give them sound counsel. We can also just say, let's pray and, and take this to the Lord. And uh, that's what David did. That's what Jonathan did with David. Um, I told you last week about a, a situation where um, um, I was under great distress, uh, great distress and uh, great anger and um, great hurt. Um, and it was at the hands of a man who uh, Pastor Wayne Cordero called publicly Alexander the Coppersmith. And that wasn't his, his name, but I found, discovered that Pastor Wayne had been deeply hurt by this man too. And uh, it was a situation where there was a potential lawsuit and, and my kids were in college and all of this stuff and I was hurt and I was angry and, and God gave me a friend and that friend pointed me to God and he said, Rick, it's a terrible situation of injustice, but you need to guard your heart. You need, he pointed me to God. Guard your heart because if you allow bitterness, even in injustice, even in wrongdoing, even in, in being treated terribly, um, if you allow that to poison your soul, then you've allowed the enemy to take you out. <laughs> and uh, you need to guard your heart. You need to look to God. You need to find your strength in God, even in situations of injustice. And God gave me a very dear friend who, 
who pointed me to God at a time where I very much needed to be pointed to God. And um, I'll just share with you a third one as I thought about uh, friends that God has used. I also told you last week about my friend, uh, Dr. Bruce Waltke, Old Testament scholar. He's retired now. Uh, what I didn't tell you, I told you, I've never met a man with a greater intellect. He has this towering intellect, but he has this huge heart of love for God. And, um, and uh, by God's grace, uh, um, um, had the opportunity to, uh, to develop a friendship with Bruce. What I didn't tell you was, as I took courses from him at Regent College over the summers, um, just on summer breaks, I didn't tell you his wife had Alzheimer's. Uh, here's this brilliant... Uh, godly man with a wife and 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 uh, his wife she would come to class um she uh, she she just uh, had alzheimer's wasn't aware of anything around her except her husband and so he would take her to class and people would sit with her when we went out for lunch she would sit with her she was totally unaware of uh, uh, oblivious to everything but i saw this man love his wife with tenderness with patience with compassion with gentleness and um what a courageous faith. What a self-giving love that uh, God gave me a friend who, uh, where did Bruce find that strength? Um, he found it in his relationship with God. And he didn't have to give me a lecture or a sermon on that. He just showed me. He just lived out in front of me his relationship with God and his compassion for a wife who was uh, suffering with Alzheimer's. Um, I hope God will give you some of those kinds of friends that will help you find your strength in God because he ultimately is the life giver and the strength giver. Third thing we see about this spiritual friendship with David and Jonathan. First of all, we saw that uh, spiritual friends set examples for each other. They help, people, they help their friend find their strength in God. And there's a third thing, faithfulness. Spiritual friends stay faithful to each other. Faithful to God, but faithful to each other. And um, just to summarize the experience in 1 Samuel 20, Jonathan says to David, show me unfailing kindness. This is the Hebrew word chesed, God's unfailing love, his committed covenant love. David, and, and this is what Jonathan does, he, and David, they bring together their relationship with God and who he is and his character, his unfailing love, his loyal love, and David, Jonathan is saying, show that to me, David. And why is he doing that? Because he's actually helping David escape his, his, uh, his father's dis, uh, attempts to murder David. He's, and, and he's saying to David, as I'm helping you, as I'm showing friendship to you, show me God's faithfulness and your faithfulness in my life. Why? Well, we don't live in this culture, but in those days when uh, a king, what a king would do, and that's what Saul was doing, trying to destroy David, but when a new king was appointed, very often the new king would destroy the family members of all the, the former royalty just to remove um, rivals from the throne. And Jonathan knew that if, when David became king, uh, if he acted like any other king in the ancient Near East, he would have um, Saul's family killed. So there would be no rivals to the throne. And so Jonathan is saying, David, as I'm being faithful to you, show God's loyal love and faithfulness to me. And that's what spiritual friends do, whatever the circumstances. They're faithful to God, and they're faithful to each other. I'm here to tell you that if God didn't give me some faithful spiritual friends at one point in my life, I would no longer be in the ministry. And um, uh, I trust by God's grace to finish my life, my career, faithful to what God has called me to do. 
But there was a season in my life, and I'll, I'll just uh, give you the brief circumstance. It was the first church I pastored. I'm 30 years old. Um, I've been involved in ministry in a church, but I hadn't pastored a church yet. And God called Martha and me to this church. It was from the same background I was, the same church background I was from. Um, but I had been a part of a church that had moved way beyond some of the traditions of that church denomination, that church movement. And I'd seen some things and been involved in ministry. So uh, I'm 30 years old, and I had this vision and this dream for what this church could be. It was a group of 80 people. We're meeting in a school. If you walked into this church, you would see no women uh, except sitting down. There, there were no women greeters. There were no women on stage. The only place that, that women served was in the children's church with kids. And uh, I'd seen where God had gifted and called women, and they were part of the full ministry, and that was part of my heart was to see women flourish in the gifts and calling God had for them in the church. Uh, it wasn't just women in ministry, but it was also worship. Uh, some of you may be in a raised in a church like I was, where there was just one man leading worship with kind of this four-square <laughs> moment and a piano player. That was it. And uh, I saw some smiles out there. Some of you get that. And I'd seen uh, God use a worship team, men, women, um, guitars, drums. This was all totally new to this church. In fact, some of the people in the church thought guitars and drums were of the devil because that's what nightclubs used, electric guitars and drums, and there was all immorality, and so it's guilt by association. So no drums and guitars, certainly not electric guitars, not even acoustic guitars. That was, that was the church I started pastoring. Uh, small groups, the church had a midnight, or midnight, a midweek prayer meeting, missions prayer meeting, and uh, the thinking was, you know, the Apostle Paul started a midweek uh, prayer uh, missions meeting, and um, nothing wrong with that, but I've been involved in small groups <laughs> as a young adult. And I'd see, and so I came in the church. I said, you know what? Prayer is wonderful, but just think how more people would get involved serve, praying in our church if we met in homes in small groups and studied the word together. Prayed. Small groups was totally new thing. So Pastor Rick comes in at 30 years old with <laughs> all of these new ideas. And if you've been around church very long, people, it's not just churches, people don't really like change. <laughs> And how you bring about change, and I'll be the first to admit as a young pastor, I didn't know very much about how to bring about change. God blessed um, all of that new vision, all of that new movement. Uh, the church uh, grew fivefold in four years, put up a building, new people were reached. So I didn't even talk about community outreach. Um, church was kind of like a castle. Uh, that I came into and so this idea of, of how do we reach out and touch people in our community and draw people to faith in Jesus that was something totally new to their experience too they were just kind of like a holy huddle so Pastor Rick comes in and, and here's what happened literally four years into my first pastorate I come back from my vacation with my wife with my little boys and I get a phone call from this guy named Stu wonderful man he was a fisherman by trade by um, lived, lived off the seas and he called me up and he said, Pastor Rick, are you aware that there's a group of people in the church that are meeting that are, um, there's a, a petition for you to resign? I said, what? Yeah, there's a group of people and they're meeting privately. I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, but what happened was there was a group of people that didn't like the changes in the church. So what they decided to do was meet privately, which was totally wrong. And again, I made all sorts of mistakes. I was going with the goers and not really paying much attention to people who didn't like the new things. And so what happened was the conflict went underground, and I came back and uh, discovered 
that there was this group of people that wanted me fired. <laughs> and we're having private meetings and getting signatures to get me fired. Well, I felt rejected. I felt hurt. I felt angry. Here I am serving Jesus and caring for his people, and they want to kick me out of the church. I mean, it was, it was a terrible experience. So I went to the leaders of the church, and they hadn't heard anything about it, too. This, the only reason why it popped off was because Stu gave me a call. Otherwise, you know, the, the folks who weren't happy um, were kind of keeping to themselves. They made a mistake thinking Stu was on the disgruntled list where he wasn't. But in any case, uh, the spiritual friends that I just to let you know, uh, every pastor knows, certainly this pastor knows, that church didn't belong to me. No church belongs to any pastor. I went to the leadership and I said, look, if, if this is the best thing for the church, you have my resignation. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with that if, if you think that's what God is calling to. They knew, the leadership team knew that wasn't the right way to deal with conflict <laughs> underground and um, um, in, in the way it was done. So uh, I will be forever grateful for a man named John and his wife, Sherry Lynn. John happened to be the chairman of the church leadership. And once we were, he got up on a Sunday morning, he said, church family, you know what? When we have differences, when we, we have uh, disagreements, when we have conflicts, this is not how we deal with it in Jesus. And uh, so we're going to sit down and talk about these things and see how we as a church family can grow through it. He was, a, he was faithful to God, and it wasn't just that he was faithful to me, but he was a dear friend who stood for Jesus. And it wasn't just John and Sherilyn, it was Dave and Robin, Bill and Lynn. I wouldn't have lasted in ministry because I remember feeling, quite honestly, you know, if, if that's how Christians are going to treat you, Rick, uh, you should go back to being a, a coach and a, and a teacher because there was a mean spirit about it, um, quite frankly. And, um, and sadly enough, often Christians um, respond, and, and I'm capable of that myself, uh, in, in ways that don't um, show Christ's love and his compassion and his constructive ways to deal with issues. And, um, and that was my experience as a young pastor. It could have derailed me. It could have said, who needs this, frankly, very much? But God gave me spiritual friends, and he moved by his spirit for healing for the church to move forward. But um, spiritual friends were deeply important to, uh, to Martha and me at that point. They stay faithful to God, and they stay faithful to you. And they were friends who said, yeah, Rick, there are some mistakes you've made, and you should have handled it this way, but we're not giving up on you. We believe God has called you, and we believe that God has the best years in store for this church. Spiritual friends stay faithful to each other. Final thing for this morning, and I'm sure there's much more in this passage with David and Jonathan, but the spiritual friends uh, help each other find their strength in God. They stay faithful to each other. And third, this is part of it. They speak into each other's life. They speak into each other's life. Back to the situation in... Um, in uh, Horish, the desert of Ziph, with a little more detail, 1 Samuel 23. While David was at Horish, he's out in the wilderness, he's running from Saul, uh, trying to uh, survive Saul's murderous attempts. He learned that Saul had come out to take his life, and Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish, helped him find strength in God, but how did he do that? Don't, he spoke into David's life. Don't be afraid, he said. My, my father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. That never actually happened. Uh, Jonathan ended up being killed. But he's speaking words of encouragement. Even my father Saul knows this. What's the, the point here? Jonathan is seeking David out, and he's speaking into his life. He's speaking words of encouragement, words of truth. Just want to show you some pictures so you'll get an, uh, a quick idea of uh, this isn't the wilderness of Ziph, but this is Engadi. 
on Gedi, which is down by the Dead Sea, which we know also was a place David hid from Saul. And you can see it's just desert. It's just barren. That's why you'd go and hide there because nobody else would be there. Um, but there's this uh, valley, and the next uh, picture has this valley that shows all of these caves in the, in the uh, rock where um, people could hide out. And this is what David did. He'd go and he'd hide out in the caves. And you read the story, Saul went into that cave to relieve himself. David had the chance to kill him, but he didn't because he would not rise up against, he, he entrusted God to the transition for him to be king. And he wouldn't uh, s strike against God's anointed who was still the king, Saul. But that'll give you an example. The, the, um, the mountains are filled with these kind of caves where you can hide out. At the end of the cave, there's a... Uh, uh, there's got to be water for you to live, and so there's a picture there uh, at the end of uh, Ungedi is the, um, a waterfall and water, and I got one last picture of me and my spiritual friend, <laughs> my best friend all through life, Martha and I. You walk through these, and you can enjoy the, uh, the water at the end. But here's the point. Spiritual friends speak into each other's life. And David, Jonathan went into the wilderness, found David, spoke God's words of encouragement, and I hope that God will give you friends who will speak words of encouragement when you need them. Sometimes you'll need a word of rebuke and that you would be open to that, a word of correction. We all need that in our life of following Jesus. I think of an auntie when I was, uh, again, a young adult and um, started dating this, this um, young lady who wasn't a follower of Jesus. Uh, and I could tell you all the reasons why I was attracted to her, wanted to date her, and felt I could be my by myself with her, be myself with her, and not under this kind of um, all of these expectations of of my family and my church. And, but I I started growing close to her, and developing the and this auntie came and said very graciously to me, spoke words of correction. Rick, what are you doing? You shouldn't be mixing romance and evangelism. That's not a good idea. That leads to all sorts of problems. And she was right. And she loved me enough to come and speak about kind of a personal thing, who I was dating in my 20s. But um, what a blessing to have an auntie who, who cared about me enough to speak God's word lovingly and gently and correctingly into my life. Um, I think of uh, David. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, as I thought about someone else who spoke God's word in my life at a strategic time, um, encouraging you um, to speak God's word into one another's life as spiritual friends. Um, when Martha and I were at seminary, uh, we, uh, we got married. We, we uh, met first year in Dallas, um, got married the next summer, went back, and I had a plan. Okay? It was a four-year graduate school program, and I'd saved up enough money to, to make through two years, and Martha was in a two-year program, so I had a plan. We got married, and we could make it through two years. She'd finish her degree, then she could work and help put me through, and so I had a plan. That plan got blown out of the water because God gave us a wonderful gift on our honeymoon. His name's Stephen. But um, we, we, you know, uh, had our plan and, and practiced uh, birth control um, according to our plan, tried to steward our, our future. But surprise, surprise, we went back to Dallas and Martha was pregnant. I remember thinking, oh man. My plans are just messed up here. Martha's going to have to drop out of her program. She won't finish her degree because she's going to have a baby. And uh, she won't be able to work and support me. And, and what was me? And I was pouring out my heart kind of self-pity, wah, 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 for me, to my friend John. <laughs> and um, John was a lawyer from Scotland. And he had given up his law practice to uh, be equipped to, 
to serve Jesus. And uh, we became very good friends at graduate school. And John just listened to me, and he listened to me whine. And then he said these words I'll never forget. He said, Rick, you know, Goodney and I have been trying 16 years to have a child. 16 years. And God gave me a child surprisingly on my honeymoon. I'd grown up in a family with six kids and all of my brothers and sisters had got married and had kids and I'd, I'd never known anybody that struggled with infertility. And here was a man who just said, Rick, do you realize how good God has been with you? And you have this whining complaint. And I needed that word of correction. And I need to realize, forgive me, God, for being so self-centered and building around your plan, my plans for my life, not your plans, and not trusting you that you will provide, that you will lead, that you'll be the good shepherd, and being so self-focused and self-centered. And uh, it was a word of correction I needed, and it came from a very dear friend. And so I hope you've uh, got friends like that in your life too, at key times where God will speak into your life through a spiritual friend. Yes, through gentleness, I wonder with David, because, you know, um, David and Jonathan were, were best friends forever. We're spiritual friends. Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and, and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We want, invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. You can give online, you can give on our website, uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support with that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.